0: Trade Show Guy Monday morning coffee for October 23rd, 2017. I'm Tim Patterson, Trade Show Guy. Uh, I got this book out. You may have seen Trade Show Success. I, I'm working on a second book. It's a follow-up um, in, in a sense, I I guess. Uh, I'm actually gonna pull a bunch of things from my blog and modify and rewrite and assemble and, and make it a book. I'm, I'm hoping to have it out by February or so. Also got a company here in Salem called Trade Show Guy Exhibits. We work with a lot of clients that um, you know do trade show marketing. We 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 help design booths and get them built and get them set up and all that sort of thing. And and it's been a great year. Anyway, uh, this week on the podcast slash video blog, the vlog, I, I, I've got an interview with uh, Richard Urshik, longtime exhibit industry he's a veteran uh richard spent years working with the manufacturer on that side uh, running their exhibit program and then he moved to the education side and teaches great stuff and he's going to teach us a few things his website's called uh, leads to salescom and he does have a few great things to show us and teach us in this uh, fun little brief chat with richard urshik and I want to welcome to the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee Show this morning, Richard Erschick, with uh, Trade Show Leads to Sales.com. Richard, good morning to you.
1: Good morning, Tim. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thanks for um, taking a few moments. Uh, you guys recovered from the hurricane, uh, the big one that came through.
1: Yeah, that was an experience. I'll tell you, I'm from Chicago, and I have a whole new appreciation for the power of the wind. We, we didn't get any structural damage, but there's thousands of trees that were uprooted and basically broken.
0: Wow, that's crazy. So uh, we've talked, I don't know, eight or ten years ago when I was doing a different podcast. uh, Things have changed. Uh, What are you doing these days?
1: Well, I don't know if you know, but in 2009, I sold my service company. And since then, I have just been undertaking uh, uh, the mission of uh, exhibitor education. I've been training exhibitors all over the world, in fact, as far away as South Africa, teaching them the best practices of uh, trade show exhibiting.
0: And I'm guessing exhibitors... Have a lot to learn.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What's really interesting and rewarding is they're crying for an education. They really don't have a lot of resources or outlets for education. They have a major conference once a year, but that's about it. And nobody's teaching them.
0: Interesting. So you actually have a book out, uh, coming out, I should say, soon. Uh, So let's talk about that. Look, you look surprised. (laughs) Oh,
1: (laughs) Thank you. An opportunity to plug my book.
0: (laughs) Yes. So is that the advanced copy? Is that what you've got in your hands?
1: It is, as a matter of fact. It's the proof copy. It'll be out January 1st. It's entitled Get the Most from Pre-, During-, and Post-Show Trade Exhibiting. It's written after my popular webinar presentation with the same name, and it teaches exhibitors pre-, during-, and post-show exhibiting techniques.
0: Well, let's break that down a little bit because those are all very essential. And, and my guess is that a lot of exhibitors kind of miss the boat on at least one of those. Uh, and I think probably the one that is that they miss the boat on the most is, is pre-show marketing. So what kind of pre-show uh, approach do you recommend? What kind of things do you look at?
1: Well, in the book and in the webinar that I present, I talk about uh, pre-show, what they can do pre-show to invite more visitors to their booth. I teach them how to use the media to announce their trade show activity. And then I teach them how to use the names they already have as invitation to get visitors to their booth, which also increases trade show traffic.
0: It does. Yeah. So you're getting more people to the show. If right. it's a large show and you know that a lot of people will be there, how do you stand out from the crowd pre-show? What kind of things do you look at? Is social media important at this, this stage? I mean, a little social bit maybe?
1: Media is, Social media is very important to get them there.
0: Right. And
1: if you can en- enhance them with your message telling them what you're going to have on display – and, and most importantly, reward them for coming to your booth. Uh, that's where the magic is. That's how to get new visitors.
0: That's how, that's how I've moved through shows. I've, I've, I've checked my, my phone and I see. Uh, I check the hashtag for the show and I see someone say, hey, we're giving a pair of socks away to the first 20 people to come by and fill out a survey or whatever the case may be. And you run to the back of the show and, and they have people there kind of waiting in line to, to get a free pair of socks. But you got and, and I thought this was great because they made us walk through about a three-minute little survey on an iPad type of thing, and then we'd fill in our information. So they had us in their database now, but we got a free pair of really nice socks out of it. So I think that was a really well-done way to use social media.
1: Exactly. Uh, As you know, in my previous life, I was an exhibitor in the manufacturing industry for about 15 years, and we used some very successful pre-show promotion techniques that I teach in the book.
0: Right. Very cool. And then uh, during the show, what kind of things are people – Uh, not doing that you think they should do or not doing as well as they could?
1: Well, you know, most exhibitors use their sales force as booth staff. And salespeople are very good at working in the field, but they're uncomfortable working in the trade show booth environment. So I teach them, first of all, I I tell them some of the booth visitor complaints that are (laughs) made out there today so they don't make the same mistakes. And then I teach them the do's and don'ts of booth staffing that go kind of beyond uh, don't eat in the booth, but things that they can do primarily in the way of qualification of prospects and most importantly, disqualification of non-prospects. I teach them the five questions that they should ask every booth visitor to qualify and uh, determine the, the tire
0: kickers. Okay, so let's get to those five questions in a second, but what is the most, uh, the top thing that people do in booths that they shouldn't be doing? Is it eating in the booth?
1: It's not eating in the booth. It's, it's simply asking the wrong questions. Oh, most really? People, okay. Most people that work the booth, the very first thing they ask when someone comes in, comes in is, can I help you? <laughs> and that gives the prospect a chance to say no. And once no. they say no,
0: and then no, they move on, yes. Conversations over. So let's go, look at those five questions or five topics that you think are important that, that an exhibitor should know.
1: Well, again, this was developed when I was an exhibitor, and the company I worked for sold huge grinding machines. So the five questions for a company that sells grinding machines is, Are you presently doing any type of grinding? Are you considering the purchase of a grinding machine? If so, when? Are you the person who makes the buying decision and do you have money to spend? Those five questions are critical. And those are the five questions that salespeople who follow up the leads would like to have the answers to before they ever go out on a follow-up
0: Yeah, and let's, so let's talk about leads a little bit. I know, it, and, and I, I mentioned this before, is that um, when I first got into this industry, it astonished me, a statistic, that 8 out of 10 leads that are generated at trade shows are not followed up on effectively. Uh, they, may, they fall in a crack somewhere. And so uh, if you can get that to like 40%, you're going to be way past your competition, but there's a way to get even farther than that.
1: Actually, what I teach is a process of how to respond to leads that actually gets 100% of the leads followed up because of the statistic that you mentioned hasn't changed at all, Tim. Yeah, 20% of leads get followed up, 80% fall through the cracks, and everybody tends to blame the sales force. And it's certainly not the sales force's problem considering gatekeepers and voicemail and and automated answering machines in companies today, the number of buyers that uh, the number of sellers that buyers see in a week, all of those things factor into the reasons why salespeople are forced to call in their customers and ignore their prospects.
0: And you know I run into that all the time because I I, I prospect a lot and you know all those things really make it hard. Uh, But I think one of the, the most important things that a sales crew needs to know is is this a valid lead? If they get 20 leads in and the first three they call are like, you know, call us in six months. They aren't, they aren't graded, I guess, is, the, is a better way to look at them. So, you know, that would have been those leads they should have called in six months and not a week out. So I think part of the uh, challenge on the show floor is to go through those five questions that you uh, mentioned and then make sure that the hot ones are marked as such and the cool ones are marked as such and the warm ones are marked as such and what the follow-up is and, and, and as many details as possible so that you as a salesperson on the show floor and the prospect know what that follow-up is going to be. And when?
1: I, ju- I just know that people watching this think we rehearsed this. And we, <laughs> and we really didn't. But you just had a nerve with me because uh, actually having processed over a million sales leads when I was in the service business, uh, the lead management service business, we identified that there's about 6 to 11% of the leads that come out of a trade show that are worthy of the sales force's immediate follow-up attention. And as you just mentioned, the key is – to get those 6 to 11% in the hands of the sales department first so they can follow up on the best leads,
0: And so that they know that those are the ones they need to follow up on. And, and so that is critical as far as judging those, knowing what those are, and then communicating that to the uh, staff. Because I think that's one of the reasons that a lot of the uh, and we can talk about this a little more, is that why those leads do not get followed through is because if they get a stack in and they start calling up and find out that the information's incorrect or uh, they're, finding, they're following up with someone that it really doesn't want to hear from them right away, and then they follow up with someone three weeks later that said, You know, I thought I was going to hear from you guys two days after the show. Um, that's discouraging and, and it, it doesn't help morale either. So it, it's really critical as far as communication and vetting the leads.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is kind of comical, but if you think about it, everybody's getting leads to the sales force faster today so they can do nothing with them sooner <laughs> because they're really not getting followed up for the reasons we're talking about right now. And again, statistically, from having processed over a million sales leads, Today, it takes 7.6 telephone dialing attempts to reach anybody. So 100 leads from a show require 760 phone calls that the sales force certainly isn't going to make. They shouldn't have to make.
0: They should know ahead of time. So uh, let me ask you about, um, I had had a thought there and it just went out of my head. (laughs) That happens when you get to my age. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, So this is, we're talking about post-show follow-up. Have we missed anything there? I'm just curious.
1: No, you hit the nail on the head when you said that exhibitors should not be giving all of the leads to the sales force. They should just be giving them the good ones. And what I teach in my book and in my webinar is how the exhibit manager or the marketing manager can do the lead qualification up front before they're given to the sales force. So the sales force spends their time productive.
0: i was going to ask you there's so many different ways you can you can collect leads and now a lot of it has to do with scanning a badge and that sort of thing or you know even the old fashioned writing a note on the back of a business card writing in a notebook is there any recommended way or is it just whatever works best for that particular person?
1: Really whatever works best. Even the fishbowl still works today if you use a process to respond to the leads that eliminates the non prospects so the real prospects come to the surface. It doesn't matter whether they're collected in a fishbowl or what to do scanning devices or all the lead retrieval systems that are out there today. What I teach works with all of those. Well, let's might, Go ahead. I had, well, I might point out here that I mentioned the word webinar a few times. Yes. I don't offer my webinar directly to exhibitors, I offer my webinar through their trade show organizer. Uh-huh. I work with the trade show organizer who hires me to, to teach or to present the webinar to all of their exhibitors. So anybody listening today, they should be telling their show organizer about this webinar. You got
0: to get a hold of Richard. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Leads are the magic word. If you ask any exhibitor what their number one objective is of going to a trade show, it's to generate leads. If you ask that same person, what's your biggest problem? They say lead follow-up. So there's quite a, there's quite a a paradox there.
0: I'm looking forward to seeing your book when it comes out uh, in January. You said January 1st, Uh, where will it be available, Richard?
1: It'll be on Amazon.com in print and also in their uh, Kim Kindle version. I'll be selling them directly. You can get information off of my website, uh, Tradeshowleadstosales.com. Leads to Sales.com. All my contact information is there. If you want to pre order a copy or if you just want to give me your email address, I'll be glad to. I'll let you know when when it
0: is on it. Richard it's it's uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and it's fun to uh, learn more about what you guys are doing over there at Trade Show Leads to Sales and I'm looking forward to the book. So thank you again for spending time here on the Trade Show Guy Monday morning coffee.
1: Thank you Tim. Good to see
0: you again. All right. And many thanks again to Richard Urshik for joining me on uh, this week's Trade Show Guy Monday morning uh, coffee. Trade Show tip of the week comes from a blog post I did a while back on TradeShowGuyBlog.com. It's called Seven Easy Ways to Update Your Trade Show Exhibit. So you got this exhibit, you want to update it, uh, but you don't want to spend a ton of money, but you want to kind of refresh it. It's been out several times and you know that if people come, they're going to see it for the third or fourth time, but you don't want to get a new one. And, and you know, it doesn't make sense to get a new one at this point. So you got to do something to it. Here are some ways that you can refresh your exhibit. Depending on the size, some of these will apply and some will not. Um, uh, the first and most obvious thing, of course, is to train, change the graphics. You probably do this on a regular basis anyway, but you consider what you can do. Get a new graphic designer, get someone to refresh them, maybe add even some graphics that you don't normally have there. Uh, a lot of the new graphics that people are using today are backlit fabric graphics light boxes basically with the new led lights and the uh, quality that you can get on printing on fabric you can really fresh up your exhibit uh, quite easily with uh, just adding some graphics Uh, add things to your exhibit such as um, you know ipad kiosks or banner stands or interactive elements that you did not previously have there of course uh, one of the challenges with doing that is how do you add to your booth without making it cluttered? I've seen it's a fine line. You kind of have to walk. I've seen some exhibits, add things that makes it look cluttered. Other things uh, that are added are, are very nice to be added. So you kind of have to weigh that as well. Uh, you can add things by renting furniture or charging tables. Uh, maybe a little a table. It's got your brand on it. It's got some LEDs around it, but you've got charging ports in there for phones and, and uh, tablets and things like that. Add a couple of rental chairs and you get a nice little area that you can uh, accommodate clients and prospects at. Uh, add space. Let's say you get a 10 by 20. You can... Add to your exhibit by just, you know, adding, say, 50% space. You upgrade to a 10 by 30. So you're spending a little more money there, but you don't necessarily add a lot to it. Maybe you just add the table and the rental chairs and things like that. Uh, So that gives you uh, the 10 by 20 that you had with all your exhibit. Nothing changes there. You might update the graphics or something. And then you add a little space so that you've got a larger space. If you think you're crowded, that might be one way that you can add to your exhibit, change it up. Uh, If you're an island booth, you can always consider hanging a sign. Signs are great because you can see them from a long way off. People can see who you are from halfway across the hall. Uh, A couple other things uh, well, one other thing uh, that I've seen a lot lately is custom flooring. Get your logo printed or some sort of element of your logo printed on the floor. Uh, It's very subtle, it's down at people's feet but it's there and it helps brand it if you stand back from the booth a little bit you can see that very clearly and it's a great way to help brand your booth it looks great Uh, they usually wear really well and last quite some time and so that's one way to add and and really custom printed flooring does not cost a whole lot uh, seriously so uh oh here's one more number seven hire a pro uh, even in a 10 by 10, the presence of a professional presenter can draw a crowd and really set you apart from uh, competitors in a larger space. Having regular professional presentations is often a very good investment that more than pays for that investment uh, without a single change to your booth other than making sure you have the space to handle the crowd. Now, if you're in a 10 by 10, there's ways to do this. You do smaller presentations and you do them more often, but you can certainly get a lot of action in a small 10 by 10 booth with a professional presenter. Uh, finally this week's one good thing trying to figure out and while i'm sitting there trying to figure this out i realize i'm using this really kind of cool piece of software that's cleaning my mac oddly enough the name of the software is called clean my mac Uh, i ran across this a few months ago decided to try it out ended up buying it uh and i've used it to keep my macbook pro laptop which is Six and a half years old, but in great shape. <laughs> Cleans up all the extra files on the hard drive very easily. Takes care of system junk, uh, photo junk, helps find duplicate files, verifies and repairs external hard drives, uninstalls programs easily, and a whole lot more. I think it's a bargain, so if you have a Mac, you might check that out. It's called the Clean My Mac. So that does it for this week for Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee.